Hi, this is Sylvie Curry from Ramona, California, and I'm listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Hit me. Fine. How's it going? You have a great show. I'm a big fan. Boing. So what 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 seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead, and he's in the in the crackle. Charbono. It's all about the Charbono, dude. Succulent fish. What? He ate two feet wiener. Oh, listen, Laverne, shit I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seed. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. Top men. And we are into the second hour. It's the Barbecue Central Show, where we talk about only the most important items in the barbecue and grilling world that are happening this day, this week, this month. If there is a continued news cycle on something that's newsworthy, you can be sure we're talking about it here on this show. If you missed the first hour, don't worry about it. There will be a podcast of hour number one tomorrow, where you can hear Jeff Smith talk about Colorado craft beef. Still to come on this show this evening, Travis Brown of Browsy Acres. Closing the show, Dustin Barks of Barks Barbecue in the Los Angeles area. The Barbecue Central Show originating from... Palm City, USA, Cleveland. I do want to say that perhaps a side effect that I can't prove from the colonoscopy... And nobody's going to care about it because this bit on the show is over with my winning of it last year. Everything's cool. No cancer. Colon's great. Blah, blah, blah. The next day, I realize I can't sing anymore. Now, some of you would say you couldn't sing anyway before. I'm not arguing that. I'm just saying, as I'm sitting in my car, when I've been able to match Eddie Vedder or Scott Weiland in the same register, perhaps not to the same quality, but to the same register, I don't have that anymore. I can't even get high talking anymore, hardly. I'm hoping it's mere coincidence, but if I don't get my pipes back, by sometime next week, I'm going to have to lob a phone call into the procedure office and say, hey, is it a side effect that you're going to have a clean colon, but now I can't sing anymore? Because if we ever wanted to bring Barbecue Central Show's American Idol back in, I would have to sit out. I would have to be a retired champion and then be a evaluator only with the girls because my ability to sing would not be very good anymore. We'll keep an eye on it. I know you're very worried. We say good evening to those of you watching tonight through our video streaming platforms, Facebook and Twitter. Also, YouTube. We have a YouTube poll question of the week that we're asking all guests here this evening. And I'm asking everybody this. If I gave you $5,000 cash, you would eat raw chicken 
for two weeks straight. And currently 94% of you are saying no. I'm not sure why 6% of you are looking to take the risk, but I'm not here to question you. Maybe you need the money. Coming up on the best moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 minutes or less this coming Friday, episode 319, taking you back to February 7th of 2012, featuring me. Now, let me ask you something. Does February 7th mean anything to you? Some of the show experts are in the instant chat through the various platforms that we're streaming out to tonight. And I'm looking for an answer from you nerds specifically. Does February 7th mean anything to you? Now, for the super fans out there, they know immediately that February 7th is the day that the live show started. February 7th, 2008 to be exact. But in the show this coming Friday, I take a look back at the fourth anniversary of live shows, what it meant what it looked like during that time period, all of that. We missed the exact anniversary by one day next week. February 7th is Wednesday, not Tuesday. At some point, those dates will realign once again. And we can do a whole thing on that. But this coming Friday, you will hear me look back on those first four years of the live Barbecue Central show. And soon enough, we will be entering into our 16th year of live shows. 18 years in total when you had the first two years just being in podcast form only. And as always, I thank you for listening to the show, however you get it here live, which of course I love the live listeners the most. But if you get it through audio podcasts, which is how 99% of you do it anyway, I still love you as well. As long as you're consuming it at your convenience, I get it. Don't forget, you can subscribe to the show by visiting thebbqcentralshow.com slash subscribe. And don't forget, if you want to hear a guest or segment again that you think has been lost in the archives, which are now extensive at this point, you can email John and let him know what you would like to hear. That's John, J-O-N, at thebbqcentralshow.com. Here's the explanation on YouTube's poll question of the week. I don't know if you've seen this guy or not. I don't know how I came across it, to be honest. I don't know how the friggin' algorithm work on these damn social media things. It sound like an old man. But on Instagram, lo and behold, maybe three days ago, four days ago, this guy showed up. Raw chicken experiment. Key points of note here, gang. If you look just over here at followers, Understand that four days ago when I found this guy or he found me, I'm not searching for raw chicken experiment ever in my life. So when he found me, he was like at 135,000 followers. Fast forward three or four days later, he's shy of 292 and probably not by much. By the way, when the show started, he was at... Let's see. Uh, did I put it on there? Ba, 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 ba. No. I believe it was like 282,000, 283,000 or something like that. He's gaining followers at breakneck speed, light speed. 
Now, you might be asking yourself, what does raw chicken experiment mean? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because here he is. Doing raw chicken experiment. Uh, let's get the audio in. Here he is. Here's a guy with a raw chicken breast, and he's eating it in his mouth. He does it every day. Now, he's not done. Look at You got some chicken juice in that pack. He's drinking the chicken juice. I'm not showing this to be gratuitous. I'm showing you what you people are doing on social media for crying out loud. Little mustard on top of the chicken breast because we want to add a little flavor there, a little vinegar kick. And just to make sure we're not leaving anything out, now we're going to chug down three or four raw eggs in a martini glass. Now this is day eight. Day eight, eating raw chicken every day until I get a tummy ache. Still going strong, my tapeworm is very happy. Don't try this at home. Always with the uh, warning, don't try this at home. Well, I mean, today he did day 12 of eating raw chicken every day until I get a tummy ache. You can see he's got marinara sauce. He's got mozzarella cheese. So you know what he's doing? He's making a chicken parm sandwich, but it's raw. So that's where the question's coming from. This guy's voluntarily eating raw chicken breast. One of the days, a couple days ago, he did a leg, get the skin flapping on his mouth. He did a Jaeger bomb shot. No Jaegermeister. Of course, it was the chicken juice in a shot glass. And then there was a like a Collins glass of six or seven raw eggs. And he drops the chicken juice in the raw eggs and then downs everything like you would a Jaeger bomb. Not much of a Jaeger fan myself. I would much rather do Jaeger bombs until I vomited and passed out than eat raw chicken. Meathead ran across it. Our pal Meathead, of course, and he wrote this in one of his postings. This is Russian roulette. Most raw chicken has pathogenic bacteria. The question is, how much? Sooner or later, you will get sick or die. In either case... Your insurance would be justified in not covering your expenses. If you survive for your next experiment, walk on the stripe on Route 66 and see if you get hit by a truck and see if that hurts. Meathead bringing comedy. He's offended, of course. Who is it? Gang, if you're looking to get social media famous and you follow this show don't eat raw chicken and send it to me I'm not looking for it it found me and that's the last time you're seeing it although I am intrigued to see if he's going to be around next Tuesday I'll give you a life or death update on that guy next Tuesday Travis Brown is ready to go before we get to him, let's talk to you about Franklin Barbecue Pits. What you have with a Franklin Barbecue Pit is what? A deeply thought out and refined version of the old propane tank style cookers that Aaron built for Franklin Barbecue. 
stylistically. It reflects the bare bones, industrial, handmade aesthetic that he loves, as in the patina and the way he builds it, allows you to see the welds and the craftsmanship. The schematics of a Texas off-style pit, relatively simple, right? I think we can all agree on that. Even if the things happening inside reflect complicated dynamics of physics and chemistry. There are very few moving parts in this cooker. Numerous and massive differences divide this Franklin pit from the average barbecue smoker sold at a big box store. For one, much of the challenge of building these pits comes with the thickness and heaviness of the material, but also much of the value. Cheap smokers are made with thin metal. Not only does the cheap metal tend to warp and crack when sustaining the kind of heat you need to make great brisket, but especially on a cold day, the thinness of the metal just sheds the heat. You're struggling to maintain consistent temperatures. That's a pain in the ass. Franklin pits, made with primarily quarter-inch thick American-made steel, and that's strong. Anything that sees heat engineered to be incredibly solid and should last at least 100 years or more if cared for properly. If you're a listener of this show and... You have a barbecue supply store, you sell rub sauces, you also sell cookers. You're looking to add an offset brand to the fold in the store. Why not think about the Franklin Barbecue Pit becoming a certified dealer? Go to franklinbbqpits.com, franklinbbqpits.com, and then fill out the dealer form and send it in. I mean, take you 10, 15 minutes, tops. Do a little research, you have a interview slash conversation with Matt, sets up his dealers. And then in short order, you could be showcasing the newest Franklin barbecue pit in your town. Those things sell themselves. They're great. FranklinBBQPits.com. That's FranklinBBQPits.com. You can purchase there if you're a consumer. But again, looking to grow the dealer network here in the colder months. So if you're down to do it, Fill out the dealer form and go from there. We're back with Travis Brown right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Stern, Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, and Greg Renfee. The Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show. All right, this portion of the show being brought to you by Pit Barrel Cooker. The most unbelievable outdoor cooking device on the planet. Currently available in three sizes with a host of accessories. If you're thinking about getting into the upright barrel cooker game, who else to choose than Pit Barrel? Go to pitbarrelcooker.com and tell them the Barbecue Central Show sent you. First hour of the show was Craft Beef. Leading off the second hour is some Wagyu and poultry talk. Joining me for the first time, one of the co-founders of a company called Browsy Acres. And a brand you are no doubt seeing more and more of across social media and other places you would find only the most elite beef. How did Browsy Acres come to be and what's the vision moving forward into the years ahead? I am happy to welcome in for the first time Travis Brown. Travis, before we get into the beef talk tonight, we have a YouTube poll question of the week, which might be a little ruined for you because you were in there catching some of my second hour, top of the hour takes. But we're asking all guests and everybody watching the show through YouTube tonight. If I gave you five grand cash, you would eat raw chicken for two weeks straight. Yes or no? Absolutely not. Safety thing, gross out thing, all the above? Yeah, so I was on that for about the last five minutes of your 
uh, of that last segment and <clears throat> i was I'm, I'm having to clear my throat now just thinking <laughs> of it because it was making me want to want to gag you know what i mean yeah, that, it, guy it was, is, that was horrible i'm not sure what that guy's trying to prove uh, other than yeah. he's gaining the most followers as every second passes that i've ever seen a social media account do so if that's what he's into he's winning at life but otherwise yeah. he might be cheating death just for the moment but we move past yeah. that travis we're happy to have you here so I'm sure a lot of folks who are into the live fire cooking game, but are also fight fans probably recognize the name familiar with the very successful MMA career. Definitely a conversation I would love to have perhaps in a future interview. And that being said, I am interested in learning why a world-class fighter becomes interested in starting a Wagyu business. What was the watershed yeah. moment? Man, so it, there, there's a lot that led into it, right? But um, it's kind of the quick and dirty. Um, my wife and I purchased about two and a half acres out here in Riverside. So we had some land. We wanted to do something with it. I'm an active, avid bow hunter. I love to get out there in the mountains and, and get some wild game as much of it as I can. But there were some years that it was just hard for me to get out and, and being down here in Southern California, there's not a lot of opportunity to do so. Um, so really, it, it kind of, what are we going to do with two and a half acres? Let's get some animals. Let's become self-sufficient. Let's not depend on anybody. And so after months of, of just doing research and trying to figure out what was the best beef, we came down to Wagyu. And then it took months trying to find somebody willing to sell me one. And then that's, just, that's the story of Kobe right there, our first steer. Um, and, and, and it went from there. I mean, I, we fed them out for a little over a year at that point that when we had them and we went ahead and harvested them, um, right here on the property, took our first bite and we we're like, what, what is this? How can this be so good when we raise it in our backyard? You know, it was the best steak we had ever had hands down. Um, so that's how it all started. And, and then one thing led to another where we, are very big believers in using our money to need less. So where we invest our money, we do say like uh, water catchment, we raise our own animals, we build a garden so that we don't have to go to the store and, and, and we grow actively throughout the year so that we can harvest different fruits and veggies and all that kind of good stuff. So um, that's where it all started. That's where Browsy Acres came from. So you're doing the research and for whatever reason, Wagyu is the one that sticks. You have the option of Angus or, or a number of other different, you know, species or, mm -hmm. you know, brands of cattle out there mm -hmm. that could probably turn around in a much quicker fashion, different product, no doubt about it. That didn't have any hold on you or, or any interest. No. So if I'm going to do something, I'm going to try to get the best mm -hmm. of the best. Right. And so when you, when you look up, what's the best beef that you can get hands, like it, everything leads back to Wagyu. Yep. And at that time it was really just about taste tenderness, right? The marbling, everybody raves about that stuff. But then when you start really digging into that, you start to understand the health benefits, um, the monounsaturated fatty acids that come from the Wagyu breed and the elevated levels of that um, markers for the, for CLA and omega threes that they just have higher omega threes. They have longer 
um, you're raising them for a long period of time, which naturally they have higher monounsaturated fatty acids and, and there's just health, other health benefits, especially when you feed them the way that we feed them and you raise them the way that we raise them. We do regenerative practices, rotational grazing. We feed a diverse, um, grain. Uh, we, we also, I mean, it's, it's like, so we also have um, amino acid uh, tubs that we give them to, to help with the proteins and all that kind of stuff. So it really, we really start to, to dig in when, when we're doing this and there's, we don't hold back. So it starts with one and it's, you guys are doing all the, the raising and the feeding and all this stuff, getting it up to the point where you're going to send it off and, and get it processed. Yeah, we actually don't send. Uh, so for the business, we send them off. But yep. this, when we were first starting, yep. we harvest them right here. I'm the one that harvested them personally. <laughs> and then, um, <clears throat> yeah. So for me, again, uh, the way that we raise these animals is as stress-free as possible. That's something that we really want to maintain, even though we're scaling now. Um, we, again, it's, it's the way that we raise them. You, you sampled some of our product and, yep. and, um, you know, from my understanding, you were, you enjoyed it. Oh, it's high well. level. No doubt. Um, yeah. So it's everything that we do. And, and if you think about the beef industry and how long it's been around and how many players are, are in the beef industry, it's easy to get lost. How are you going to separate yourself from everybody else in the pack? And for us, it's trying to follow the new science in the which is actually the old science with with following nature right trying to um mimic nature in the rotational grazing and what you feed them and and how you care for them all the way up until the day that they're slaughtered that's what we do that's what we're trying to do and mimic and you guys have you have great people out there like joel saladin Will Harris, that are the leaders in this regenerative, they do a lot of grass-fed, grass-finished stuff. We are we are rotationally grazed on grass, but we also invested um, in some technology that are mobile grainers. So we actually move the grainers from pasture to pasture with them, so they they're on fresh grass and they get a a diverse grain blend. And um, I mean some of the stuff that we're feeding also is scientifically proven to to have a higher omega threes than what most people are are feeding their animals at this point and that comes at a cost right like you want to feed the best to the best breed but then you're producing some of the best meat that you can possibly get when you decide to go into business the experiment if you will with the one has now bred in your mind this is something that we can look to scale. Well, now you got to bring in uh, a partner or a ranch partner, whatever you call it. How do you find the right partner? And because of who you are, do you have to do an extra layer of vetting to make sure whoever you're going to partner with isn't trying to take advantage of your celebrity or your name in order to further their benefit? Yeah, definitely. I mean, a lot of vetting came in those months that I was trying to find somebody mm. um, to even talk to about the breed, to even to, to sell me one animal. Like 
most people want to sell you a small herd. They want to sell you 10, 20, 30. They want to sell you embryos or genetics or this or that. And I, at the time I just got done getting punched in the face for 10 years. So I was like, you want me to start doing embryo transplant and breeding Wagyu and you want me to have 20 cows on two and a half acres. I had one guy tell me that 15 cows can fit on two and a half acres wow. here in Southern California. And I told him he was crazy. They, There's no way I'm, I'm going to do that. So a lot of vetting came from that. And so then that's actually who I bought our first steer from was who is now our partner, the mm. Spitzbergens. Um, and, and they've done such an amazing job and, and they're in the grand scheme of things, again, in this whole industry, they're relatively new to this ranching thing. So that gives us an advantage. And a lot of people think of it as a disadvantage. I look at it as an advantage because we're willing to learn and to implement the newest practices that we can do and, and take advantage of everything that pe hasn't worked for people in the past and that is working for people now and to help further the industry so within starting with one where are we sitting at january 30th 2024 how many do you have under control and where do you look to grow over the next two to five years yeah so our goal based off of the acres that we have is to have a thousand head that's where we're headed to. That's what we want to get to. And based off of that, that is what in the rotational grazing, in the regenerative practices, that is what our land can hold mm. is up to about a thousand head. And that is our goal. So we're not quite there yet, but we're getting there and we're getting closer every year. Um, and then within that um, talk, there's also two parts to our herd. We have our full blood herd which we're developing right now. And we also have our F1. F1 is your American Wagyu. It's your half Wagyu, half Angus. That's what most people know of Wagyu. Like we had to fight tooth and nail to be able to put full Wagyu, full blood Wagyu on our labels. So if it doesn't say full blood Wagyu, it's a mix, 100%. Anybody that's selling Wagyu or full blood Wagyu is putting full blood Wagyu on there because they earned it. They, they go through like genetic che uh, checking. They go, you have to submit all these papers and paperwork. And where's this come from? That come from all your breedings and all that kind of good stuff. So um, it, it takes a lot to get there. So somebody wants to put you to the task and say, prove that what you say is full blood. You're able to turn it right around to them. 100%. Yep. We can show you the, show you the paperwork. We have some of the most sought after genetics um in the wagyu industry we're able to through our connections through um our partner and 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 even my wife and myself and and who we are kind of perk some ears and got, gain some interest and with the direction that we want to take the breed you know we have everything down to we have a molecular biologist on our team that has helped us like not all wagyu is created the same Right through genetic testing, we're able to select certain genetics that we're after that have predetermined markers that give you a higher unsaturated fatty acid profile. Mm. And I keep saying unsaturated fatty acid, monounsaturated fatty acid profile, all that kind of stuff. But those are the the healthy fats that everybody's looking at. That's what you want out of out of your steak, out of your bird, out of your animal in general. And the industry, the way it's set up now is just not going to do it. Our, our food system's pretty much broken. And that was a big reason why Rhonda and myself wanted to get into this as former, former elite athletes. Yep. 
we wanted to know where our food is coming from. And we had to grow it in our backyard to be able to show the difference to ourselves and what that meant. So now with Browsy Acres and everything that we're learning and the people on our team and the nutritionists that we have developing our proprietary blend and grains with the regenerative practices that we had Joel Saladin out to our ranch to help us to help map that out. Um, we added chickens in to be a part of our ecosystem so that we can do, you know, so we can move our broilers and build up the soil and have all of that. And we're going to get to that nutrient dense word that you're going to ask me about so that when you get to this level, you are putting the most nutrient dense, healthy as could be, I mean, there's grass-fed, grass-finished. That's a little bit different thing. But what we're providing, tasty, marbled, tender piece of meat in front of you that you can get, that's what we're doing. All right, so let's talk about the buzzword, nutrient-dense food. What does that mean, and why yeah. is that important? Yeah, so um, <clears throat> for instance, when something that makes our meat taste the way that it does is because it's raised on the ground that it's raised in it's raised on it eats the grass that's grown on our ranch right it's not just shipped in from this place or that place or fed empty calories like the normal beef industry does like if you go to a number number of different restaurants the beef tastes the same the seasoning is what is different so they found this seasoning to go with this beef that they sell to everybody mm. and then they make it their own through the seasoning with us a little bit of salt and pepper and you're going to taste that difference so the nutrient dense comes from the variety of foods that they get from the amino linked um uh tubs that we use from every everything from the rotational grazing and what they're eating basically is how you get that nutrient dense from that food and like from sorry from the animal the animal's nutrient dense because of the food that goes into that animal and that diverse diet that they get from a consumer side how do i go about getting mm -hmm. my hands on some browsy acres meat yeah browsyacres.com b-r-o-w-s-e-y-a-c-r-e-s.com what i noticed uh same thing for the guy from Colorado Craft Beef in the first hour. You guys do a curated box. So you're not going on to browseacres.com and getting a selection of just ribeyes or just strips or just tenderloin, whatever. It's, it's a lot of a bunch of stuff. Why do you do it like that? So there, there's a number of different reasons. Um, uh, a big reason is that the Wagyu breed is an amazing breed. Um, the chef's cuts, as we call them, the ones that people aren't so familiar with maybe, right? Those, those cuts are going to be absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. Um, a big reason, and, and we're going to, we're developing the API in order to install on our site so that people can build a fully customized box. But a lot of it too is, is to kind of spread the love, right? So if we're able to mix and match 
put some steaks with some chicken or some steaks with some roast and burger and all that kind of stuff. Um, it, it, it really helps the consumer or it helps us sell the animal, but it also helps the consumer open their eyes to maybe more recipes, more different things that they can do, you know, just broaden your horizon a little bit. Um, and it's, it's something that I've learned since we harvested an animal and I'll tell you on that first animal, we went through the New York's and ribeyes, man, within the first couple months. And, and it was like, all right, uh, what are we going to do with this chuck roast? I've never cooked one a day in my life. Yeah. What are we going to do with the sirloin tip roast? What are we going to do with these short ribs? I'd never done anything with those. So mm. I learned how to cook those because that was the meat that we had available. And then as I broadened my horizon, it was like, this animal is something special. This, like, not just that animal, but this breed and these cuts. There's so much taste and flavor that people aren't giving a shot. Mm. And that's something that we want to help put out there. Well, I think you have a lot of social media influence out there. And what are they showing? 99% of the time, it's a ribeye, whether it's a tomahawk, which mm. I think is a complete waste, or some big thick ribeye then you get into like the new york strips and stuff so everybody's conditioned as a consumer to think ribeye or a strip steak or a fillet when here's a bavette here's a flat iron here's a hanger yes. here's a skirt steak to me yeah give me those all yeah. day long flavor is through the roof very heavy on the beef flavor so if i'm looking for steak mm -hmm. and i appreciate a you know a buttery steak like your your ribeye is tremendous, but you know, my favorites were those chef cuts that you mentioned, um, whether it's you or top if I'm sirloin. even going to, yeah, top sirloin steak, you know, if I'm going the yeah, friggin' Outback, I go and get a sirloin mm -hmm. because I know it's going to be better than any of the other higher dollar steaks at, at an Outback or, you know, wherever else. So, um, yeah, yeah. So com is the place to go. Also chicken. So if you want to diversify uh, between proteins, yes. you have some farm-raised chicken as well. Yep, we do all pasture-raised poultry on our property. Um, you know, in the schooners, they're moved daily from one from one piece of grass to another, from one patch of grass to another. Um, fresh water and and grain all day. I mean, it's, again, that is the most nutrient dense chicken, healthiest chicken that you can possibly get is what we're providing. This is Travis Brown. You can find him at browsyacres.com. You can follow Browsy Acres on Instagram at Browsy Acres, see what they're up to. Uh, Travis, really appreciate the insight here on how this whole thing got started. Uh, love to have future conversations with you, but until then, I wish you continued success. Definitely. Thank you, sir. I really appreciate it. You got it. Travis Brown right there. Uh, he's right. I had samplings of the steak tremendous tremendous flat iron was I think it how did it go for me I don't know I'm trying to think back I think it was the bavette steak number one the sirloins I think I'm secretly a sirloin guy like for real I'll take a ribeye. I'll take a strip. I think I'm a sirloin guy. Skirt steak. Tremendous. So flavorful. Like the steak, the meat flavor, baby. 
what I'm talking about. For everybody that's waiting for Dustin, the wait is almost over. The barbecue pirate is ready to come on. Listen up, gang. Our friends at Big Papa Smokers has something special for you, listeners of the show, whether you're a seasoned pitmaster or a grilling newbie. Big Papa Smokers, your one-stop shop for all things barbecue from the championship rubs, mouth-watering sauces, essential accessories. They've got what you need to take your food and cooking to the next level, both on the competition circuit and in your own backyard. Here's the cherry on top. Big Papa Smokers is offering the listeners of the Barbecue Central Show an exclusive deal when you use the code REMPE at checkout. That's R-E-M-P-E. You get $10 off your next $50 purchase of rubs, sauces, and accessories. Imagine the possibilities. Evaluate your ribs with Big Papa's Sweet Money or Sweet Money Hot. Add Big Papa's Desert Gold to your chicken or better yet, pick up Big Papa's Double Secret and put it on your steak. Head on over to BigPapaSmokers.com and start your shopping today and your saving today. Promo code REMPE at checkout, R-E-M-P-E, to claim $10 off your next order of $50 or more. Don't forget to check out all the recipes at cookingwithbigpapa.com. And, of course, follow them on social media as well. Bart's Barbecue on deck. Stand by. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Full racks, legs and thighs, injecting butts. If you've never heard this before, you might think you found the best triple X show ever. Let's get back to the most homoerotic host out there today, Craig Rimpy. Hey, we thank Travis Brown for joining us the last segment, BrowseyAcres.com. Follow him on Instagram at BrowseyAcres. This portion of the show being brought to you by JRE Tobacco, makers of Corojo Reserva, Sumatra, Classic. The list goes on. When you are smoking a premium hand-rolled cigar by JRE Tobacco, they are second to none, giving you a smoking experience that you will talk about to your live-fire friends for crying out loud. They're making cigars that are the best in the industry right now. If you don't have a retailer near you that is selling them, get over to the website, jretobacco.com, and find a retailer near you, or tell your retailer is isn't carrying to start carrying Aladino line immediately, if not sooner. Of course. All right, helping me close the show tonight is a guy selling barbecue to the masses. In the unincorporated parts of L.A. County, we'll get to why that's relevant here in just a minute. He caters for Cypress Hill. You ever heard of them? He has recently become a social media maven and has seen tremendous growth, especially over the last few months. He's exposing high-priced barbecue restaurants for overcharging their customers. He's calling out social media influencers in L.A., and this is all known as the barbecue wars, by the way. If you've ever been looking for a barbecue pirate, the search is over. 
because he's joining me right now. Dustin Bartz is on the show. Yes. Before we get going, we have a YouTube poll question of the week, and we're asking everybody if I gave you five. No, I'm with Travis Brown. No, no. It's an no. immediate no. No, I, I was ready to puke myself. I, I mean, I almost threw up watching that. I was drinking a beer, and like that was like, oh man, that that was the worst. I, I, I have you not run across his juice. account yet? No, I, I I don't. I keep away from stuff like that. That's just that's nonsense. Oh, I didn't look for it, die. but all of a sudden you're, you're, this guy you're, showed you're, up with a raw well, chicken God, I'm breast. Not that, I'm not. I'm not in that algorithm. Thank goodness. Well, I got to change my algorithm. I did not see the raw. I did, I did not cheat. I did not see the raw chicken guy. Yeah, well, it's crazy. Oh man, where are I you? Why he didn't die the first day? Well, God, I mean, not only the like, first day. He's on day twelve, day one, and he's yeah. doing Jaeger bomb shots of chicken juice and raw eggs. I, I, I think it's BS, but you know, I think there. I think there's some alf. I don't think that's real. There's some nonsense going I think on. They're faking that. I think they're faking that somehow. We're gonna keep I mean, our eyes. Fake. We're gonna keep our eyes. No yeah. doubt. Uh, I don't think the guy. I, I want to see him eat that raw chicken breast. You didn't. I showed it. You didn't see it. I want to see like live. Like oh. I want to see in front of me because I. Yeah. I, think, I think it's like he looks like he's in a warm like weather climate too. Oh, he's probably in the L.A. area. Yeah. It seems like people in L.A. would do that nonsense. Right. I don't know. That's pretty gross. I'm gonna find out. And I'm gonna <laughs> let you know if he's in L.A. It, I was. Right. You're my guy. Yeah. I want to see it. Where are you I'll, from? I'll inspect it. And uh, what are you doing before barbecue? So I've lived in like South Bay, which is like Hermosa Beach, Redondo Beach area all my life. I currently live in Lawndale, which is right next to those areas. I um, at one point in my life, I did live in Austin, Texas for like four years. Um, but what I did before barbecue was. Well, I went to school to be a computer engineer and then like the last semester while I was going to be a computer engineer, um, I just decided I didn't want to do that. And so like I was selling some stuff on eBay and I had like this good sales job at a PC mall where I made this great commission and I'm just like, you know, screw, screw college. I'm just going to like do my own thing and like, you know, work at this one job and then do this eBay thing. And eventually the eBay thing turned into this. Uh, I was like manufacturing these uh, security camera systems and like selling them through eBay, like, that's where it evolved eventually. So for like 15 years, I had my own product line. I manufactured security cameras. We were in like Las Vegas casinos, wow. all types of, we, had a, we were in Nevada games certified and it was all like analog. And then all of a sudden HD came around and all these Chinese manufacturers made these like cheap 1080p cameras. And like my system was just like, boom. Mm. Like no longer, you could, I couldn't make money off it. it. That was it. But I was making tons of money and just spending it like a, like a madman before that. <laughs> that was my whole thing. You know, I, I, I made tons of, tons of money. No joke. I mean, I thought like people went to business just because it was easier than they get a regular job because like my first few businesses were really good. Yeah. I made tons of money. I mean, but I spent all, I partied it up, went to Vegas, you know, I had a great time. Nobody gets a but hold of you and says, Hey, Dustin, you're making this great living. Why not section off? a portion of this live like a maniac was, I, to I, a I was, certain I was, degree. I was 20. I was in my twenties, bro. And like, there was no stopping me. Wow. You know, you can, you, 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 you I, I was, we were a great time. Like everyone that was around me that time had a, had a great time. Was everybody benefiting so anyways, from your riches? Is that what you're saying? 
we just had a great time. It was like the best <laughs> time of my life, you know? And I moved to Austin. I was still making the same money because my, my stuff was all via online. So like when I moved to Texas, I was like a multimillionaire there yeah. because when I made a couple hundred grand in LA and then moved to Texas, it was like, <laughs> dang dude, yeah. like you're, you're like super rich now. At least when I was there, that was, that was right when all the California people started moving there before it got destroyed by California. Cause like Austin, Texas got destroyed by California. Yeah. But I was there right before the destruction and it was a great place. I mean, you could, it was a great time. Is that I, where you I had the best time in Austin, Texas? Is that where you got into barbecue? Well, I started eating a whole bunch of it there. And then I was like, man, I, I guess I was missing something in California. So I moved back to California and I went to all these barbecue spots. I'm like, man, it's nothing like this Texas thing. Yeah. So that's why I started researching it. There was like, you know, I think that was like the beginning of like me. Franklin had something on YouTube or something like that. And I, I figured out I need to get a smoker, got a smoker, start cleaning barbecue in my backyard. Uh, my surveillance business went down the tubes. I had no money. And after uh, a lot of drunk poker nights cooking barbecue for my buddies, they're like, why don't you go like to a brewery and try to sell some food there to make money? I'm like, okay, let's try that. And that was like seven years ago. And I went and started selling some food at a brewery. And now we're eventually going to be where we're at today. That's what I did beforehand. Where does my favorite teenage rap group come into play for you cypress hill so after a whole lot of stuff um during the pandemic um well i can't i mean i i, I go on forever the first four years <laughs> six years prior to that but um the short version was in 2019 right before the pandemic i bought this food trailer had a spot to put it at i'm going to start this catering part of my business with my big smoker the pandemic happened all the catering jobs I had were destroyed because like they, you know, there was no catering. Yeah. They all, they all, they, you know, I, I had a, lot, a whole bunch of debt at that point. Well, Sony pictures came into my buddy's film studio where my smoker was illegally parked and my food trailer. Cause I don't, I don't, you know, you, the way I had set up, it wasn't legal, but we were going to just be do catering out of the spot. So he had this film studio. They came in there. He was only willing to stay open. So they did all these virtual reality shows for Sony, Sony music. And one of the acts is Cypress Hill. So I cooked all the food because I was like their on-site cater. That's what it was. Like they rented the space. I was on-site cater. So that's how I made a bunch of money during the pandemic. I yep. was like catering for all these different music artists on this like closed set, you know, where they're doing these virtual reality shows. And then Cypress Hill is one of them. And then I sent the food in there because like they had way more people than they're supposed to have. So like, you know, I was supposed to have two or three people. They had like 17 <laughs> and it was a pandemic. It's like, whatever. So I, I'm like, I have to barbecue because there's no way I can cook for all these people otherwise. Yeah. And so like I cooked for all of them and like this barbecue stuff I sent in there. They liked it and they came out and asked for my car and I'm like, okay, that's weird. It's like pandemic. Whenever I guess, I guess we open stuff opens back up. Maybe you'll call me <laughs> and I get my card. And then like two weeks later, I get a phone call like, Hey, me just, 500 bucks for everything because like they wanted like all the different meats and it was i said yeah 500 bucks for like 10 people no problem and then they uh called me gave me this address finally where i drove my 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 stuff down there with the food and they, and i dropped off the food in this like building and that was it and i was like this is like and b rails there and it's like it's crazy dude it's like cypress hills here and i'm like dropping food off in the pandemic and i don't know why all these people are here so I just dropped it off. We did a bunch of different times because I don't ask questions. That's my thing. It's like it's a barbecue like, hey, dead drop. You're, you're, yeah, you're paying me. I'm just going to show up. I'm going to drop it off. Yeah. So like anyways, after like four or five times, we finally realized they had this show and all this other stuff. So basically every two weeks for like a year, 
I was like paid to come down there and drop food off. Mm. And then eventually all that turned into like this friendship thing I have with everyone there and all the people related to it. And so like now it's like back before the pandemic, I used to have all my buddies come to my backyard and we'd try new stuff I'd make. Well, I, I, that stopped after the pandemic. So like basically the whole Cypress Hill crew are those guys now for me. And I just like make some food and I bring it down there and just hang out. It's like, hang out with your friend, you know, all your homies, you know, it's like, here you go. We're going to try this new stuff. And, you know, it's like whatever I'm making or like I have barbecue, you know, and they want, you know, barbecue. I just bring it down. I hang out with them. I'm on their show because he has like a doc, the Dr. Green Thumb show, the podcast. So yep. like I'm on a, on that show. I'm on like the E-Zones. Who's through, who's through them. They have like the we don't smoke the same podcast and it's high and hungry TV. So like all this stuff, I'm all these different shows and I just hang out with all these guys. And it's like the best time ever. It's like it's like, hey, I, I don't know what to say. It's like I, I, I hit the lottery by just like me and like the right people during the pandemic because like I have, I have a great time right place That's at the right time how it goes kind of happens yeah so it's crazy I called you the barbecue pirate because of how things maybe specifically with you but maybe just in general how they operate out there no health department no permits needed literally seems like the wild west of barbecue how can this be legal was well, it's not barbecue it's all the food stuff so like all right oh, okay. so in, in in la county if it's not a um food truck or some of these fruit carts like with like umbrella they have these fruit carts that like they sell fruit out of in like la some of those are legal and then there, and there are some like hot dog vendors that are legal at like certain venues but all the stuff you see on instagram where it's a tent it's a pop-up on the side of the road there's no permits there's no nothing i don't care what people tell you it's bullshit there's nothing <laughs> it is it is illegal but there is no stopping it because they all are popped up usually on areas that are unincorporated parts of los angeles which what that means is in the city of los angeles there's parts that are right next to another city but that's not part of that city so it's part of this area that's like this void in Los Angeles, where it's not like the city, but just as outskirt areas. Mm. So you'll see all these food pop-ups there, and they just pop up there illegally, including myself. It doesn't matter. There's no enforcement. There's no one stopping you. It's like you just do whatever you want to do. It's like the new way. The new, I mean, it's even funnier now because everyone does what they want to do. But, like, you know, the food vendors always have been doing that. You know, we just pop up there, and, you know, I mean, there's really nothing that can stop us except for, like, I guess the health department they showed up or something. But... They don't seem you know, to have any interest I mean, in doing that. Well, I mean, I don't know. They're pretty understaffed. I mean, what are they going to do? Go to all these like hundreds and thousands of pop-ups all throughout LA <laughs> and like try to try to stop them. They don't have the funds for that. They don't have the funds for anything. Maybe they give it's, you a fine like a homeless problem. to pay and generate funds that way. At least fine you for well, nonsense. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll tell my followers that happened and they'll probably help me out and we'll pay for the <laughs> fine and that I'll just do it again. Wow. So, I'm not gonna. They're not gonna stop me. So you're in the unincorporated or the gray area parts of LA. Well, yeah, County. it's right by my house. Yeah. Like where, I, where I'm at is perfect. It's like it, it's literally two blocks from my house. Is this golf course, which I'm banned to talk, say their name because of whatever. So, anyways, there's this golf course in Lawndale that's near my house <laughs> and um, on Prairie, and I pop up in front of that golf course. Um, on the street and that's like two blocks from my house so that's why it works out because i mean we i mean dude i have a i have 1150 gallon smoker right now that we park on the side of the road and i'm like a homeless dude and i park out there for like 40 hours straight cooking barbecue like for like you know 
I mean, not like no joke, like 20, you know, 30 briskets, you know, 10 pork shoulders are cooking, uh, 40 racks of ribs. I mean, a crap load of barbecue. It's like 6000 or $5,000 at the discount price I charge. So in the real world, it's probably like $8,000 worth of barbecue. But I charge like five grand and we, we sell that and I cook on the side of the road with this big ass smoker in front of this golf course. It's a joke, but like no one can stop me because my, you know, my truck's registered, my smoker's registered. It's on yeah. there. It's attached to it. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm basically like having a campfire on the side of the road with, you know, this barbecue. And then, and then all my friends or who are my followers are, they come down and hang out. I my one buddy, uh, Ulysses that works for me and does all my, you know, does all the help with the prep. And we, you know, we just sit there on the side of the road and basically cook all this barbecue even trim the briskets on the side of the road and throw in the smoker. It's, it's the funniest thing. It's, it's such a joke, but that's how we do it. How many days are you running during the week? I do the barbecue. I'm trying to do the barbecue every weekend, but there's been a lot of problems with the rain situation right now in LA. So like every other weekend has been raining and I, and I can't do it in the rain. It's, it's hard enough just to do it with no rain. So, I mean, once the rain stops, March hits April, I'll be there every weekend doing it, but I also do smash burgers too. And like other random stuff, I decide to pop up on the side of the road and do. And you're making and I, enough. I mean, it's like you're making enough during the weekend to flow you through the rest of the week. Oh, I make really good money. I mean, like it's like this. I, I have I have no wife, no kids. So right there off the bat, I have way more time than most people do. <laughs> so like I, all I do, all I do. No, I'm serious. It's truth. That's what it starts it. off. I, I watch no. T- I watch no TV. I don't watch sports. I don't, I don't, I don't even know what movies on are out there. All I do is concentrate hundred percent on what I'm doing to try to like perpetuate this business. So like I am working all day, all night, except for like when you run into me at some brewery or someplace like that, where I'm chilling at, but other than that, or I go down, you know, my mother chill thing is I go down and hang with the Cypress Hill crew because it's like a totally thing where I just hang out there. I chill out there, you know, they're doing their show. I bring some food down. It's a good time. But other than that, all I do is just concentrate on figuring out how to make different things. Cause I mean, I make, I do all types of stuff. I do, I do the barbecue thing on the side of the road. I make all these other videos about different things. You know, I, I hang out on these different podcasts, like all my different friends have podcasts. And it's like, I, I mean, I have to spend like all day long. I go to different events just to hang out with all my friends that are doing those events. <laughs> you know, I do a lot of cannabis stuff. So it's like, I just built a 1150 gallon smoker off sponsorships. Like I didn't even buy it. I got $22,000 in sponsorships wow. and briskets I sold to get a new smoker built in 14 days. And like, this is like just a little preview, just like the last 30 days of stuff I do. It's just like, it's a, it's a nonstop process to make it happen, but it's getting to the point where eventually it's all going to work out. So what's the end game? If I make money. I make, I, I pay my bills. Don't worry about it. All my bills are paid. Yeah. I'm like a hundred percent. I'm not I mean, worried I if you're $6 paying or burgers not. and I paid $6 burger. I sell $6 burgers, uh, Wagyu smash burgers, not like the, not the Travis Brown Wagyu, but like the, the, you know, the crappy Wagyu, but it's that, you know, it's good. It's good burger, you know, six bucks. And then we do, um, you know, I do, I do all the barbecue at like a third of the price. Most people sell for Yeah, so that's like, something- like, you know, or like third off, third off, you know? So it's like, 33 pound per pound brisket. I sell for $24 a pound and we cook all on the side of the road. So that's a thing I wanted to ask you about. That's like a portion of this barbecue wars that you're talking about (laughs) on these other shows. So you've been pretty bold saying, here's my cost. Here's what I'm selling for. This is my profit margin. This is the money I'm making. It's all out there. If you go through your, Instagram account or you're following you with any type of listening skills, you're pretty 
out there with how your business is operating. You seem to be pretty happy about it. It's pissing a lot of other competitors or barbecue competitors specifically off because you're like, hey, uh, I'm paraphrasing, but I think you're kind of saying it. You, You seem to be screwing the customer. So as a consumer, I'm pro Dustin Bartz all day long. As a businessman, I'm like, well, if everybody else seems to be commanding $35, $38 a pound, why wouldn't you also be up there? Because it seems that's what the market is currently bearing. All right. So here, this is what happened. Like, it's was, the shortest version is this. I did these two smoke fest events last year, and that's when I realized people really were broke. And nothing to do with this food business, but I just these other events. I'm like, man, these people are getting pretty broke. This is like, you know, year and a half ago. And so, like, I was like, man, maybe I should start like, you know, lowering the price of my food and just see what happens. Cause we're like selling the side of the road. I was selling $10 smash burgers like everyone else. And I'm just like, you know what? I'm, I, w- I went to a couple places and I was paying like 25 bucks for a burger. And I'm like, this makes no sense. Like, the meat doesn't cost this much. Like, I, I know what it costs cause I make this shit. Or sorry about the ligaments to make this stuff. But anyways, you know, so I know whatever you never know. But anyways, so maybe my niece is watching. But anyways, like I saw the prices and like I'm just like, you know, I'm I'm gonna charge less. So like I posted this this post that I was gonna start selling six dollar burgers, and then like a couple of people picked it up, like this LA taco. I think they were just trying to clown me, like I'm not gonna actually do it. And then I started doing it and like, who, who thought like all these people show up and it's like, dang, dude, all we got to do is figure out how to make the money off the quantity. So my whole thing now is just make money off quantity. I already know how to make the quality. So it's just, yeah. we just mass, mass produce this. So like me and Ulysses that work for me, I mean, the two of us on these two griddles we got, we can pump out like 125 patties an hour. So I make average $4 per patty. So just do that math. And then, you know, and after I pay him like $25 an hour and he gets a dollar per patty tip on top of it, Mm. he's making like over a hundred dollars an hour when we're busy and I'm making like three, $400 an hour, depending how fast we are. And, and we're just smashing all these burgers out. And like, uh, I do it for two or three hours on the side of the road and I make like, you know, 500, 800 bucks sometimes on a really good day. Other days you make a couple hundred bucks, depends, but I just do different days. And then I do the barbecue and the barbecue is great because, you know, we're, we're selling on pre-sale. We don't have food really for the side of the road. It's like in a whole, this whole angry thing going on until we got our second smoker. We're making a second one. So now when I get two of them on the side of the road, then we'll have plenty of food for everybody. But right now we're selling out just on uh, pre-sale on the, on the, on the internet. Wouldn't doubling the smoker capacity just lead to double the amount of pre-sale barbecue? Well, I don't care. I'll take that. Then that's yeah, right. I mean, I'll, it I'll just seems like it would follow I mean, I mean, I, I No, I, no. There's there's a lot of people that want to just walk up. So, like, you know, we're gonna have two lines and uh, have a pre-sale line and have a, have a walk-up line. Some people just like to walk up. They like to stay in line. I mean, the line's long for the pre-sale. They're both line. It's just it's just like it just we we eliminate the fact that everyone has to spend four or five minutes trying to order what they want. Yeah. And then everyone in the pre-sale knows they got what they want. So. It works right for us. We do. I mean, I, I didn't think we'd be able to pre-sell a, a whole 1,150-gallon smoker out that we cook in there, like, with two loads of barbecue. But, yeah, we're doing it already in, like, the first three events. It's crazy. Let me ask you, because I'm seeing it in the Insta chat. When you talk about the difference between what you're doing and what a brick-and-mortar restaurant 
is doing. I'm getting the, the difference is that restaurants have overhead, rent, insurance, things like this. This is why they charge more than you're charging. Well, they, you they, buy they, that. They also, they also they also are open every day of the week. I'm only open like one day of the week at the most. So like what I do is I, 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 I don't, I don't, I'm hey bro. My, my, my head's not big. Like I can't get people down there every day of the week. If I had a restaurant, it wouldn't happen. I'd be, I'd fail. I have enough people that I know one day a week, if I do barbecue, they're going to show up and they're going to buy the food off me. See a lot of people that open restaurants, they're not business people. They're just rest people know how to cook food. They don't, they don't think about what they're doing. They, they just know the next step is like, your head's so big, whatever you're doing before that, you need to open a restaurant. That's like the worst, worst idea ever. Yeah. I mean, I've been offered plenty of, I've been offered celebrity people to open restaurants with, and I didn't open restaurants. I mean, there's all types of lists of people that know me that all types of stuff I've, I've been offered, but I, I prefer just to keep it small like this because I, I know that like my reach is only so many people in the South Bay, so to speak, you know, will show up to my events. That's why I do a lot of catering, you know, I make money off catering. I make, you know, I make money off all types of different things and, and, you know, regarding to the food business, but like, you know, the pop-up thing is just one aspect, you know, it's mm. just like one thing I do. I do other stuff too. Like I do, I mean, I just like, you know, I, I, I cater for some construction company the other day and then like, you know, and then Insomniac that does all the raves. I did their holiday party like a few weeks ago, you know, and I do all these big events, you know, for the, all these other people. And those, they, they pay me like a discounted rate compared to like most catering companies because I give them a good price, but it's more than what I make off the side of the road. So like, you know, that helps keep everything going financially. Do you think so, you like, could- the difference is the brick and mortar is like is out of date is what I'm trying to say. Like if you're opening a brick and mortar, you better, you better be sure you have a lot of people that want to come eat your food. Because people don't like, you know, I go to where the people are at, you know, like I'm on the side of the road, like they come where I'm at, you know, on this one day, they know they can get my food that day or this day. And that's it. But I sell a whole bunch of food. Like, I mean, most, most restaurants, you're not going to be maxing your grill out mm-hmm. the whole time you're open unless you're in and out. In and out does maybe, maybe McDonald's, but any, any brick and most brick and mortars, like, you know, some do, but most aren't open. Like, you know, where they're just like, you know, so many people that they don't have enough griddle space. But that's our problem, you know. We have like two dudes, two griddles, and we just do it till we're done. And people wait in line, and when they're done, we made our money and we're out. And that way, I don't have to pay like a bunch of, you know. That's why I pay my guy twenty five bucks an hour, thirty bucks an hour to pay on the event plus his tips. It's like he's stoked because he's making over hundred bucks an hour of tips, and like just sitting there working with me, smashing burgers. It's like it's a great it's it's a great gig we got going on, and like and like I would never open a brick and mortar uh, at all. Cause it makes no sense in the, in the current, in the current thing in Los Angeles, other cities, maybe it makes sense, but in Los Angeles, I don't see how it makes sense on based off what I do. So with your demand for one day, I mean, you ever teased it out to doing a two days or three days and you've seen a fall off. So, you know, one day is a sweet spot. I I physically can't do it. I can't do it. I I can do one day. I I, physically, physical demand. It's too much. No, no, like on my body, like, yeah. I mean, to do it, I mean, because I, I, I was, uh, like I was on an IV on last Sunday, this last Sunday after I had food, I had food poisoning on Wednesday and I had to cater for this construction job. So I had like, I had to cook all this food for a hundred people while I was having food poisoning on like Wednesday night. I slept very little. I woke up, my Ulysses came to my house and we catered this construction job at, at, while I was still on, you know, hoping that I didn't have to go to the bathroom while I was there, just like trying to get this through the day. Uh, and then, and then, and then like I did the construction gig and then I got home and I was like, next day I was totally destroyed, but I had to start 
prepping for this barbecue event that we already sold out on for the weekend. So like I do all my, my stuff because I do everything myself. It's everything I go like, you know, I go pick up the smoker. I have to go pick up all the food, you know, everything, everything is all me except for when I have to like do the pop-up and I have my guy there with me, Ulysses and we do it. But, uh, I prepped all that shit and I was really messed up and Saturday I felt good. I stayed for 40 hours straight cooking barbecue on the side of the road, like a homeless person, wow. you know, like, and I start to finish, like we cooked everything that's smoking, including the cornbread because we didn't have time to cook in an oven. So we had, we had a new experiment to see if we cook cornbread and the smoker It worked out really well. And the cornbread turned out good, but we had all these guys lined up there at 10 AM waiting for the barbecue for their football game or where they're going prepaid. And like, after all that, like I was so dehydrated, like I couldn't even move my hands. Like they were curled up permanently. Like a, yeah. I was like a T-Rex. You know, and like I had to pull my fingers out just to make them straight. So I had like, it's like I had to call one of these like online nurse people to come to your house and like put an IV in me at like 10 o'clock at night on Sunday. Wow. And like, I guess I was so dehydrated. He told me it normally takes 30 minutes for the IV to hit you. And then he said, I, I, my whole IV went through in 15 minutes. So he's like, you're so dehydrated. That's crazy. I've never seen it go that fast. Wow. But uh, yeah, it was a good time. I mean, that was after that, I felt way better. I got, I got an IV on Sunday night. I hadn't slept for 40 hours, went to sleep, woke up Monday, and now we're here. So that was, that was like, uh, I'm still recovering. I'm so, so, so I'm not, I, I can't do more than one, one, one sat Sunday right now. I mean, that it's too much. And it's like, there's no, we have no facility. That's the thing. Like, we're making top notch barbecue on the side of the road, like in the, in the, I mean, I don't want to say the gutter because we're on the gutter, but we're like, so they're literally on the side of the road. There's yeah. no electricity. There's nothing there. It just, it's just, it's, it's just like some like iPhones and you know, whatever you can like light up with like some, you know, work lights. Cause we don't turn like generators on because across the street there's houses and you know, I don't want to make any worse than the fact that we're already doing barbecue on the side of the road across from them. Yeah. So we have no, we, we just sit there and like kind of hang out and cook it all night long. And then we slang it the next morning because we already sold it. But now we're going to now we're going to get two of these smokers, two Titus 1150 gallon smokers. We're going to two of them. Wow. So if somebody wants to pre-order, they go to uh, BartsBarbecue.com or they um, go through Instagram? Everything right now is on Instagram. Everything is on. Well, see, I've been trying to like isolate where all the people are coming from. So I've only been concentrating on the Instagram. I already know people okay. go to the website. So the website, I haven't updated in a long time. So it's all on Instagram. Uh, you'll see in the stories or in a post, like when we're doing barbecue, like normally we do it this weekend, but it's going to be raining. Mm. So we're only doing burgers on Saturday. So on Saturday in front in this golf course in Lawndale, you can find us in front of there and we'll be doing smash burgers of brisket on top. And then uh, the next big event will be, well, right now we're trying to get like another, um, that's how I paid for the, the previous smokers. We had like the first 150 people that bought briskets, they're getting names engraved on the side of the smoker. And so we have Super Bowl sales for brisket right now. So you can buy a brisket off me for Super Bowl and you get on the second smoker that we're making. You'll be on there. And we're also selling pork ribs on Sunday for Super Bowl. Nice. But um, yeah, it's pretty much all Instagram. That's how everything goes. If you're interested and you're not following them, by the way, 33,000 of you are. And that number has grown exponentially here over the last handful <laughs> of weeks. Crazy. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, uh, that's right. Bartz, B-A-R-T-Z, uh, barbecue on Instagram. So follow if you're in that area you're gonna, or you're going to be around that area and you want to try out the barbecue. And then if you do, like eat it and then get back to me privately and let me know how it was because I'm uh, certainly interested because I would love to get out there and try it myself. But we all know how me and traveling get along, which is not very well. Uh, Dustin, look, 
you've said an incredible amount. I appreciate the time you've given the show here this evening. I've kept you over what we agreed upon, uh, but I told you this might happen. Still plenty to get to, uh, without a doubt, but uh, at this point, I wish you success for the Super Bowl cook. And whenever you want to jump on, or uh, perhaps I can reach out to you if I want to get a a take on a a certain hot topic in the barbecue community, I'd I'd love to have you back on. Yeah, anytime. It was like, hey, it's, it's a good time for sure. I'm glad, uh, I'm glad I was on today. All right. Well, continued success, uh, and we will talk again soon. All right, for sure. Awesome. All right, you have a good day. Dustin Bartz right there, Bartz.barbecue on Instagram if you want to check it out, uh, A, or if you're not following him, which I'm sure most of you are by now, or if you're in the area and you want to put in an order, why not? As I said, please check it out. I caught this. Don't worry. I caught it. The host looks like he's vegan. (laughs) Uh, no. Not vegan. A lover of meat. A lover of everything bad for you. What do I have going for me? Still a decent metabolism at 49. And number two, and perhaps more importantly, I get up in the morning and I work out. That way I can be a svelte host. You want some fat piece of crap hosting the show, right? You want somebody that you can, that you feel inspired by. You want to emulate. And you really want to make fun of me. Talk about my receding hairline. <laughs> We're not talking about that. I quit on that hair. All right, let's wrap the show. Stick around. We'll be right back. Let's get back to a guy who has more experience giving you his opinion than he actually has cooking. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. Let's thank Dustin Barks one more time, owner of Barks Barbecue. You can find him on the side of the road in front of a golf course that he can't name. Barks.barbecue on Instagram. Jason Pettis asking me, post-workout raw chicken? How'd you know? I'm this skinny because I have whatever disease tapeworm all the other pathogens things like this that you get from eating raw chicken I mean Dustin couldn't say no fast enough if I told him $5,000 did I didn't even get through the question that's alright hey all the way back in the first hour Jeff Smith from Colorado Custom Beef was on the show coloradocustombeef.com Colorado Custom Beef on Instagram That podcast will be out tomorrow or shortly. Second hour, Travis Brown, Browsy Acres, BrowsyAcres.com, Browsy Acres on Instagram. I think he's Travis Brown MMA personally on Instagram as well with like a quarter of a million followers. I recommend trying both out. Absolutely. Have a taste off. 
And then, of course, Dustin Bartz closing out the show. Bartz.barbecue.com, the website, which isn't really updated. Uh, Bartz.barbecue on Instagram, which is where all the action is taking place. Great interview. Lived up to the billing. Certainly appreciate it. Uh, we're going to be in February next week. We have an idea for Malcolm Reed's segment. I'm not going to tell you about it now, but it'll be a bit of a follow-up from a few years ago. Let that marinate. See if you can come up with the idea. Let me know. Jam-packed show. Otherwise, family cooking guys ready to come in amongst many others. So how do I always leave? September 11th, 2001. I will never forget. Until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern, this is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now. This is Chris Payne from Euclid, Ohio, and you are listening to Barbecue Central.